And welcome to another episode of G220 Radio. We are thankful to have you here with us. We are excited about the program that we have before you here today. Uh, we are on episode number 481. It's episode number 481. We are continuing our series in 1 John. We're in chapter 4. We're going to go through verses 7 all the way to the end of the chapter, Lord willing. Lord willing, you know. But uh, before we do that, let's find out how Mike is doing. Doing pretty good. I was hoping we get to verse 16. Verse 16. That's as far as you think we're going to get, huh? I don't even know if we're going to get that far. Yeah. I thought about it. 14 verses in one yeah. hour. We could barely I, do seven, six yeah. last time. Well, I, I actually thought about this. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, today, and then I was going to send you a message, but I was like, I already said it. So uh, let's just put it out there. We'll do, because I was going to say, let's just do to verse 12 and then kind of like make a, you know, pause and then go into the rest of it uh, next week. But uh, we'll see. We probably will. Maybe we will just end there. Um, or if we can get to verse 16, we'll, we'll, we'll see. I mean, if we can get to verse 16, we might as well push it out. <laughs> like, you know, I don't know if, <clears throat> I don't know if we can get past verse 16. Yeah, well, maybe not. <clears throat> we'll see how that... There's a lot there that can be said. Oh, I'm sure 16. there is. I'm sure there is. But hey, this is episode number 481, G220 Radio. The title of this episode is God is Love. You know, I, I thought about titling it Love is God, but that would be incorrect. Yeah, it would so, be. That so would be. <clears throat> that's the world's understanding of God, mm -hmm. right? That would be misunderstanding the usage of is in the English language in this case. <clears throat> well, you're going to have to educate us on that a little bit later, maybe when uh, we get I, to that verse. I mean, uh, plan, I've been, I got, got this book here. So God without passions. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Because it talks about it. It's it it a does. It's place to go. It does. And I think that's going to be very important for this conversation here today as we're looking at this text of scripture from first John, because, you know, we kind of already alluded to it, but that's kind of how the world has this view of God. And I think when we get to it, it's going to be very helpful. Yeah. And it, just to think through, and I think what a lot of authors have noticed is just this downgrade in, um, theology proper and understanding God and his nature and his attributes um, and holding to a classical definition of the Trinity and how that all works out. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so if you're watching with us, let us know because again, we are now using Melon as the platform by which we are before you here tonight. And so we don't really, like, I'm not on Facebook. I'm not on uh, YouTube as normally as we would do it before. So I don't see who's there um, or who's popping in. So if you just want to let us know who you are and where you're watching from, that would be wonderful. We would love to see that. Uh, we would love to interact with you that way. Um, so <clears throat> please do so. I am back was out last week, had surgery on my nose. I don't know if you could see it. I had a nose job, you know, so <laughs> uh, technically, uh, but uh, had my nose broke and realigned. And so um, um, still recovering from that. Uh, the one thing you can't do with a, with a broken nose is put it in a cast. So I have to be very careful. And with a four-year-old, Mike, you probably know with little kids, um, uh -huh. they don't really fully understand that. 
No, Although Piper Piper seems to be a little bit she's she's cognizant of it, but not always to the degree that I would want her to be. Especially when they try to steal your nose. You know, go out there. Gotta be careful. Even with an unbroke nose, you gotta be careful. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So all right, so what we'll do is getting in this because we want to jump into this. There's a lot here. Uh, like I said, we'll do uh, as much as we can tonight, Lord willing. We, we probably won't get through 21 verses, but we may. Well, not 21 verses, but the entirety from the, the, the 17 or 14 verses from 7 to, to 21. But we are going to try to do our best. So again, uh, if you have any questions during the program, you have any thoughts, you know, leave them in the chats, whether you're in YouTube or Facebook, and we will throw those up on the screen and uh, hopefully be able to interact with you. All right, so reading this, I'm going to read the verse first uh, 7 through 12. I'm going to read verses 7 through 12 in chapter 4 of 1 John. It says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love God does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world, that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he has loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. So that's the first you know, a few verses there from seven through through twelve, and we're going to kind of talk about this. And so, Mike, what what what's kind of standing out to you? I know you're prepared, you're ready to get into this. You've got God without passions before you. Yeah. You're ready to dig in. So, what what what, what do you want to go at? I mean, let's just kind of. I mean, you have to start off with what is John using here when he or what does John mean by love here? You know, it's the famous word, you know, agape or agapo, um, depending if you want the noun or the verb, um, of this idea of love. Now, there's some debate in scholarlies, like, well, are the different types of love really different? You know, and this is really plays back, you know, feeds into John's gospel when Jesus repeatedly asks, um, Paul, Peter, sorry, do you love me? And he changes, and the love, the word for love changes back and forth. And so kind of really, and we've really kind of have seen what this plays out to kind of rehearse it, is that it's not just an effectual thing. We've kind of, we've mentioned it, a lot, but love is not just an affection or emotion that we feel. And really, when we see John uses, it always comes in a a matter of doing. Love is not just what I feel about a person, but really how I act towards a person. Um, we teach our kids, you know, what's obedience? It's obedience is doing something right away, right. Um, right away, all the way in with a happy heart. And to look at, well, 
if they're not obeying with a happy heart, they're not loving us. They're going to be grumbling. There's going to be this despise, which is hatred. Mm. They want to be doing something else. And Augustine picks this up with in his discussion against um, Pelagius and talking about true obedience. True obedience includes love. And so when we see here, there's kind of this emphasis and it's an emphasis that John has had a lot of. It's love and abiding. They're these kind of two ideas John plays a part. And all of this stems, and when we saw early, is what does it mean to have a relationship with God? And what does it mean to have a relationship with God's people? And here it is. I mean, you kind of start off with this. Uh, almost like command, let us love one another. And then it mm-hmm. echoes what Paul says, let us outdo each other with love. And so there's this very important idea of love, but also we see here, John in verse seven, grounding it. Where does this love come from? Or does it come from in us? It comes from someplace else comes from God. And as we'll see later on and talk about it, that's because God in and of himself is love, which is not the same love in which we interact with or have, but we can discuss that later. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think we have to understand that as, as you was just laying that out, that the world is going to come with a selfish kind of love. And I, I think sometimes people don't understand that, the Bible says that anything done apart from faith is sin, right? And so we look at the world's standard of things, and and I can look at it. Uh, I can look at many couples, and I'm sure you would testify to this too. And so would many other people. You can look at some married couples that are not Christians, and they have a genuine love for one another. You, like they have a really nice, well maintained marriage relationship, right? I'm sure we, yeah. we can all attest to that. But at the core, at the root, at the heart of the matter, they cannot truly love in the same sense because they are without Christ. They are without God in their life, right? And so there's always, even when it seems or appears to be on the outward or or how we can, can see it from our own eyes and our perspective of seeing something, oh, they have a wonderful, beautiful relationship. But at the heart of it, there's that selfishness, that motivation that's there that they might not even recognize because sin blinds you. But it's always, it's always something there. It's like when we did the show with President you know, Trump about God putting these leaders in power. While he may have done some good things for the country, may have done some bad things for the country, um, his motivation was probably, I'm saying this, and this is my, my, my opinion, a place of motivation from pride and wanting to be the best ever president in the United States, wanting to have this name, right? So even when we think we are doing good things, it's coming from a place of selfishness of what do I, what am I getting out of this rather than what we're going to see with what genuinely is the kind of love that comes from God. Right? Yeah. And I think you, you see, as we kind of like, look, you have, so this 
exhortation, it's not a command, an exhortation to love one another grounds it because of where it comes from. Love is from God. And then you have this continual idea of whoever has been born, who that whoever loves, so the one who loves, has been born of God and knows God. So even kind of in this quick verse here, this one little verse, this exhortation comes from not only the place in which ultimately God, we know this because God's in us, that the spirit abides in us and works in us to have a deeper love. And this is then kind of the reason why we know that others are Christians by how mm. they love. They have been born of God. And we think about other verses of love. I mean, you talk about husbands and wives, you know, Ephesians 5. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave her himself up for him. So even when we start looking at this, there is a sense in which love is sacrificial. Yeah. You know, you can go to 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter, and see these similar ideas that there is um, this love and how it is. But we also need to recognize when we start looking at it that our love wrongly, maybe at times, is a byproduct of our situation. And this is where we get into, you know, the idea in verse eight, you know, when it says that God is love or again in verse 16. Mm -hmm. And what does it mean that God is love? And so we also need to understand when we start defining love, not everything we define love with for us as humans will apply to God. And this is kind of the joke of, you know, uh, love is God. Um, this is what liberals really mess up. They deify love. They would say to kind of work out in English that the is here is equal. And another way that would phrase that would be God is equal to love. And you could turn it around and love is equal to God um, in English. But we also know is as what describes the state kind of is the better lack of better word. So like uh, to Mike is a boy, for an example, or Mike is a man. It doesn't work that a man is Mike because man is kind of a class or a character in this case, a class in which Mike, myself, can be identified with, but isn't equal to. And this is, I think, how we should be understanding, you know, this idea of God is love, that this describes who God is. And then when we look at, kind of go into classical Trinitarianism, that God is simple, that he has no parts we can conclude that that means God is love in and of himself. 
There mm-hmm. is no part in which God is not loving. So anything that God does, as we said, when kind of this idea of God being simple, that he is, he, all that is, is, is him, that God embodies love. He defines what love is because that's who he is as he is just and immutable and omnipresent and omnipotent and all the other attributes we may say he is that and he cannot be less loving or more loving because he is perfect in all of his attributes yeah and that gives us then a ground because we can now look at how god interacts with us throughout history not only in the bible as his revealed will to us but also when we study church history and we see his guidance works out um, through history to all mankind and especially to the church. Yeah. And like you said, I think this is, it's so important and, and we've done a show on the divine simplicity of God. Uh, I would recommend, I can't remember the, the episode number. Uh, maybe Mike, you've got it, but if not, yeah. you can go to our YouTube channel. You can go through and find that episode there or go to Podbean and you can find it there. We've also done an episode on the impassibility of God. And so we've talked about the the God being without passions. Uh, and so I think that those would be helpful for you if this is something that you're hearing for the first time and you're not really aware of. But this idea that God is love, it's in the very essence of God. And as you brought up the Trinity, I think this is very important for us to understand because often we hear that God has created us because there was this this desire to have someone to love, or he wanted to have, Mm -hmm. you know, fellowship with someone. There was no, God has no need of anything. God wasn't lacking like love and looking for someone to love because within the triune essence of God, the nature of God, the father, son, and the spirit eternally loving one another before you could, you can even count time because it's eternal. Right, mm-hmm. so that they've always had this perfect love, as, as you mentioned, the word perfect, and and um, I think perfections is a very good thing to to state or state when we talk about God. Like God has these perfections within Him. It's not something that these things make God make up God. Like all that is in God is God. That's where we get to this divine simplicity. Yeah, and so it's very important because the world, as we said, the world has a selfish view of love. The world has a a perverted or twisted view of what love is, and so this here stating that God is love, what John's not doing is stating that God is only love, because we know that God yeah. is light. Uh, we we know that God is is so much more than just the the attribute or the perfection of love, right? All that is in God is God, but the world, the, the liberals, the, the those who are opposed to the true and living God from the scriptures, who has revealed himself to us in his scriptures, they will fight against that because they want to create, they want the love is God. They yeah. want God to be love. That is their God. And so <laughs> therefore, when, 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 when John is making this confession here that God is love, He's not saying that because we display love, that that is that automatically like we're we're a Christian. I mean, there's more to 
understanding what a Christian is, but this is one of those tests that you can say of your own assurance, do I have love? Do I have a supernatural love? The Holy Spirit indwelling from verse six or seven, the Holy Spirit, you know, indwelling in me that I, I have this supernatural love for the brethren that could only come from God. It's not a selfish kind of love. It's because I genuinely seek the good and the benefit of others. It's not the world's kind of love. It's a God-like love. Yeah, and you see it as he plays this out in verse 9 and 10. Now, both of the verses start out in this, um, in this is love or in this the love of God was manifested among, manifested among us. God sent his son that we might live through him. God in it, that we have not loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the one who takes our wrath, per, the um, propitiation of our sins. And that when we think about that, I mean, this is really John's way of saying what Paul would say. God showed his own love for that. And while we were still sinners, Christ died for us in Romans 5, 8. And to think about, you know, all of this in connection with John three sixteen, that God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. This re-emphasizing that God's love is demonstrated most clearly in the work of the son. Mm-hmm to save us from our sins. Yeah. That again, God doesn't need us to be loving. He's triune. He loves in and of himself. And they already, the, the Trinity have the three members of the Trinity have communion within themselves. But there's a sense in which God in love of creation shows how much he does care for us, that this is a God who loves that even in judgment, it's loving just as a parent will give discipline to a child because they love them and they want them to understand what is right and what is wrong. And so we have to, again, see that. I mean, that God just didn't leave us to die in our sins. Right. I mean, that's just think about that. I know the story takes forever to unfold. It takes thousands of years, but God did not leave us to die in our sins. Amen. And, and that's the greatest demonstration of love yeah. is that he sent his son. You, you brought up John three sixteen, right? This, this well-known, beautiful passage that we have in the gospel of John by the same writer in the book that we're in right now that God sent his son, his only begotten son, m- meaning not just an only son or some special son, but this son who's eternal, who's always existed, part of the second person of the Trinity, sent him to die for the sins. The, the, he's the propitiation, as it says in this verse here, right? So that means he took upon himself the very wrath of God. He appeased God's wrath. I mean, what, what greater demonstration of love could we ever even um, use as an example that would compare to the love of God 
in his act of sending his son to die for sinners. Yeah. Which makes it all the more important in verse 11, that if God has loved us, we ought to love others whom God has redeemed also. He has shown his love to them. So my love to others is a reflection of the love that God has shown them in salvation. Mm. And this doesn't mean that those who aren't Christians don't receive our love either. I think John is making a very pointed statement in that this love should be most clearly seen among those who call upon the name of the Lord. Right. Because, you know, I had this conversation at church on Sunday with a, with a dear brother, um, this idea of God's love for the unbeliever as opposed to a believer. And when we've talked about marriages, there, there's a there's a unique kind of love that I have for my wife that I don't have for other sisters in the faith, right? There, there's an intimacy there. And so God has this this agape, this, this intimate kind of love with his believers. It's, it's more of a, it's a love that it's an eternal love. It's an everlasting love. It's a salvational love for those that he saves, right? Which is not what you see for the non-believers. You, you see that the Bible says God hates the hands of those that shed innocent blood. God has, he hates all workers of iniquity. That's not the same. That's not a kind of love that leads to one to eternal life. But that, he leaves them in their state, and they face eternal condemnation, right? So, so that, in and of itself, if, if, if one has been loved by God and saved by God, redeemed by Christ, then as you said, the, the natural, that supernatural overflow from the heart of that saved individual is going to be the love, or going to be displayed in the love that they show to the brethren to the saints, Uh right? And it's going to be a selfless kind of love. It's going to be a love that is seeking the good of others, not for what you can get out of it. How can this relationship benefit me in the church? If, if this relationship in the church can benefit me, I'm going to do the extra, go the extra mile for this person. It's not that kind of love. It's whether they give anything, I'm loving them. You know? Yeah. It's self-sacrificial you know, to have that type of love. And this is a love that, I mean, is clearly demonstrated kind of throughout the Old Testament. You think about why did God pick Israel? Well, he tells us it's because he loved them. It's not because they were strong. It's not because they were many. And it wasn't because of all these kind of outside things. It's because he loved them. He had a special love. And again, you you may even hear some of this idea of a Hasid, a Hasid love, this steadfast love, kind of in Hebrew, the word that's commonly used with it. I think that's important to think about because it's... That's what brings us together. That's what separates us from the world. Now, we should be going out to the world, declaring God's love, that he does love the general population because he wants them to be saved. It's not like he's, in a sense, hates them. 
you know, that's part of evangelism is bringing this gospel message that, hey, Christ died for your sins, that you, that God has loved you in your state of sin so he can save you. And obviously the work of the spirit who will bring the transformation heart for the person to see that there's this very real, but again, as you mentioned, if we even take our personal relationship, the love for my wife is different than kind of the love for my family or my friends that that core love, that steadfast covenantal love is one that brings deep emotional kind of support in it. I think that's how we should see kind of the church. They are our family and God loves them in this way. And we are to kind of have that same sacrificial love for our people. And I mean, just seeing simple story, um, simple acts like, in acts them selling their land so they give money to the poor so they can eat you know and then to be able to make sure that all are fed within the church these very simple things to demonstrate not only a love for our brothers but also that we have faith as james too would say yeah and i think you know, we did a show on persecution and we, we kind of talked about that a little bit on that show is like in our context here in America, it's hard for us to really display that type of, Hey, I'm going to sell what I have to give to this family in my church in need. But yet in our time in 2021, we have pastors who are being arrested for preaching the gospel, faithfully proclaiming it in their churches, in up in our, our neighbors up north, and to see the body come around them and support them and support their wife and children. Mm -hmm. Like, it's still, ha that, that love is still there. We haven't had, now, now I'm not saying that we, in, in our context, don't display those kind of loves. We, we haven't had it to the same degree of persecution for that to be shown to the world. But even I think of, as you're mentioning that, and we're talking about the persecution, I think of uh, the examples of some of these uh, family members who are murdered and they're a Christian and they show this display of love to the, to the, to the, the one guilty of taking their loved one. Mm -hmm. Like there's this display of love. Now, that person's not a believer, but there's still that display of love that they're given to this unbeliever, to their enemy that could only be this supernatural kind of love that comes from God. So you see it with the brethren, you see it with your enemies. And 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 this again, it, it's it's a it's supernatural. That there's no other way of, of getting around that. It's not a it's not a, a love that comes from within us, because there's no good within us. There's only self-seeking. You know, the, the, but when but when it comes from God, it's the supernatural love that we then can love the brethren, we can love our enemies, those who want to harm us, to display the character of God. Yeah, and you see that, you know, kind of as we move into verse 12, you know, John plainly talks about how no one has ever seen God. Like even Moses, 
who wanted to see the face of God can only see his goodness from the backside. You know, and to to think about that statement, no one has ever seen God. Now, God is a spirit and does not have a body like man. He isn't physical with us. Like, he isn't physical like we are. Um, So just know that we're to love anyone. Then he goes and like, well, no one's ever seen God. But if we love one another, a guide, God abides in us or remains in us resides in us that um idea we've talked about a couple times and his love is perfected or complete the idea here comes from the word of teleos is the is a related word in us that our display of love within the community we are a part of as christians and even broader shows that God is among us. He resides with us. And then his love also perfects us. We become one who is complete with his love. Now it's not instantaneous. We're not sinless perfectionists. It's not like we love perfectly, but this idea that in loving others, God helps us to love better. He, His love is completed in us as we show love to others. And that's to, you know, understand that and to think through how, I mean, God is using us in that way. And to kind of in to show his complete love. And we do that by loving the brethren, by loving our sisters in Christ and being together in a local fellowship so you can show this love to others. That's why online church isn't really church. You can't love the brethren. Right. You need to gather together to love one another and to help one another. And it's when that, which is different than what the world offers, can become a very important aspect of a church's evangelism. And kind of what Peter says, that this love kind of and doing good puts heaps of coals on the unbeliever. It convicts them because of what they see is something that as you said, it's supernatural. It's different. It's not what the world covers. And that's the point. Because mm-hmm. this love comes from God and not from anything that we bring to the table. Yeah. And th- that's why, Mike, you brought that up. I'm glad you did because I wasn't even thinking about bringing that up. It didn't even cross my mind. But the the, the importance of the local church and being gathered together. I, I, that is so vitally important. That's why we talk about that often here on G220 Radio. In our conversations privately with people, or personally with people, we are trying to encourage people to become members of local churches, good local churches, not just any local church, but a good biblical local church. Because again, th- the way you're going to see this love displayed is when that gathered body comes together and they are loving one another. They are using the gifts that God gives to the individuals that make up the body 
for the benefit of the others that are in that fellowship with them. It's not for their own. Like, spiritual gifts aren't for your own edification. It's for the edification of others. So you can love the brethren by using those gifts that God has given to you when you gather together in, in the congregation of the church, in a local body, as members. I, 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 you often hear people say, well, there's no membership in the Bible. Well, that, that's ridiculous because they were willing to die for being a part of the church. They were willing, as Mike said earlier, to give to sell everything they had, their land, to give to those in need in the church that they were gathered to, and they knew, they, they, they came together, and they knew these people deeply and intimately, you know, uh, and, and yet we, we act as if this, we can just do this online, you know, um, we can meet that way, we can take communion that way, we can fellowship this way. You can't, you cannot replace the means by which God has created the church to function as the body gathered together. And it's, it's so vitally important. So vitally important. Yeah. Where are we and at? You, Go ahead. And just, you know, add on, just think about the different people God calls to the church. There are going to be people that you attend church with that if you were to meet them in real life, you would never be friends with them. You just won't. And not saying that's not a bad thing or a good thing, but when you're the, member of a church you're called to love them and so now your love is being refined because maybe people you don't get along you wouldn't get along with normally in life you now not only should but have to get along with them because they're a brother in christ and you get to to love them no matter maybe how much they may grind your gears um i think that's a, a way that's um sanctifying to us like that shouldn't be our tendency is like but this person just grind my gears we should have a true love for them and that's sanctification working out and really kind of segues into verse 13 you know that this is given to us because the spirit is in us and that's you know, John, as John continues, that we abide in him, God, and he in us because he has given us his spirit. John's already talked about this. He's coming back to it. It's a point to emphasize that, yes, we are to have love and God um, resides with us, but he also resides in us just like he resided inside the temple, inside the Holy of Holies, in the middle of the camp during the years. And now we become the temple in which the spirit dwells in us. And to, to think about the refining that brings to our lives. Yeah. And verse 14 here says, And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Now, we, we've already discussed and explained this love of God that he would send, the greatest demonstration of love that he would send his Son to die on the cross. Right, and it says for to be the son of the son to be the savior of the world. Now, I'm sure on many past episodes we've talked about this. This is not saying that Jesus Christ died for every individual in the world, but that he died for all the elect of the Jews, but also the Gentiles, all of the elect that are scattered abroad throughout all of the world. 
you know, and there's many different uses for the term world uh, throughout scripture. But I also wanted to just kind of touch on that because, again, uh, that is what I believe the scripture is teaching there. Uh, anything you want to add for verse 14 or just move on to 15? Um, yeah, just that we need to understand what John is saying by the world. Because as you mentioned it, and we've already talked about this in past episodes, so I'm not going to belabor the point. Um, in chapter two, when he talks about that he's the, um, propitiating not just for us, but for all in the world, that I think he's using it the same way here as he did in John 3, 16, there in John 2, um, that it's this very kind of generic, I would say, kind of generic that of what he has created because Jesus not only saves us in the elect, as you mentioned, but he will come and recreate the world and he will save the world from the sin that we've brought upon it. So I think we could ex even expand that to that, which God has created um, with it. I see there's a note here in one of the, yeah, I was going to, Oh, in the commentaries. Yeah. Uh, I was going to just take a time, take a minute here and, uh, Say, hey, George, how you doing? There's uh, George Sisson. I'm not sure if I'm saying his last name right. Forgive me if I'm not uh, saying that. He says, what's going on, fellas? Uh, but then we've got Larry Schultz and George also writing some things here. George also says, oftentimes when people say God is love, they want his love on their own terms. Kind of like what we was talking about earlier, uh -huh. the idea that they flip God is love to love is God. And um, then Larry says this, and I, I think this is this is something we can, we can kind of touch on here. Um there are churches that congregate but don't really fellowship toward love. They just move forward with singing and singing, listening, and hey, what you been doing kind of talk. Um, what are a couple ways the body can demonstrate love when they come together? Mike, you want to take that? Yeah. I mean, I would say that the hey, what you been doing, um, in a, in a sincere sense, is a very good act of love to you know trying to maybe move past the surface pad answers <clears throat> which which probably gets kind of uncomfortable and i you know and we need to push past that but to really see how someone is doing how is their week how can we pray for them to be able to edify them and to build them up uh with it i think in just having church that fellowships together and i understand where larry is coming from where like the final prayer is done and like half the people are out of the church already i mean i don't know um you know the current church you go to ricky but you've been to mine and i mean people are there 30 minutes past the end of the service if not longer in my church now you have people who filter out and they have things they have to do um with that and that's a really great thing about my church and what I really love about it. But I do think, um, you know, demonstrating love is being intentional with our relationships with our fellow church members and not just hanging out with the ones that we like. Right. Again, I think, you know, being making the effort. Yeah. Yeah. Being intentional to talk to other, um, you know, to meet others with it. And, you know, my mother-in-law, Anita 
comment. You don't wonder if that would be done in inviting people in our homes or for meals and fellowship. I think that's even going farther. I think that's yeah. also important, showing hospitality to those to have even deeper relationships and to love the body. So I don't think you have to be mutually exclusive in those. I think there is times at church to get to people you don't maybe always get to and to talk to them and to, to invest in their lives, but then also be intentional to invite different members of your church to your home or setting up something where they can come to your home and having even more time of fellowship and, and to work in that way. I don't think, um, you know, it's a thing at which at all, and obviously different levels, um, well, I know kind of within it. Yeah. I know, uh, a church in the area, uh, grace covenant, they would do a thing. Um, I don't know it's a thing. They would do this gathering together. It would be a sign up sheet that you would go for. I don't know if how, if it was a quarter or I don't know the length of time. You could, this is just an example that you could probably try to institute in, in maybe your churches. If you have the, you know, talk to the pastors and are able to kind of do something like this where they would have people sign up and it would be a group of three families, three couples or families and a single person in this group. And they would rotate to the different people's houses within the group. So if it was me and Mike's family, um, and we had another, like Larry who was in here, uh, and then a single person, we would come to my house. Everybody would come to my house, the three families together with the single person, and we would get to know each other. We would have dinner, we would talk. And then the next week or next month, whatever it is, we'd go to Mike's house. And then the next month we'd go to Larry's house. And then the next, then the single person would put something together you know, and we would, you know, obviously when you're single, you know, you try to put something together, maybe you're meeting somewhere or, or maybe they're cooking either way, you're getting to know each other better within that church. And then they would do it again in another quarter or something. And they would sign people would be on different groups. So you'd get to know people within your church. And like you said too, you know, like, like being intentional, being going outside of your comfort zone to really get to know some of the other people within your church. Cause it's easy if you got one guy that, you know, you can go up to and talk about theology and you can talk about the week and you can talk about all these things. But then there's that one guy that sits there and nobody really talks to him much. He's not very open and it's not really as an easy conversation. You have to really put the effort in to say, I'm going to make the effort to go and get to know this guy, you know? Yeah. And Again, it's, I mean, I'm not saying, so I'm saying these things. I'm not always the best with it. So I'm, you know, this is even, you know, things that I have thought about and I've tried to work on even in my own life. And we've just started, we don't have something like Grace Community. We just start inviting families. We used to, every Monday have a college student, um, some college students over. Now we've kind of, now that, uh, college is kind of over with you know they're gone for the summer we've been branching out to families and just kind of you know being intentional with that and you know we've had families have invited self and i think that's where it is but so those are kind of like relationship and we can build it but i mean even things like if your church has the ability has like funds for members who are in need you know, maybe being more intentional, not just to give to the general offering, which is good and that we should be 
generous in our money, even for the proclamation of the gospel in our church, but maybe even at times setting aside extra so that there is money for when something happens to a member um, that the church can take care of their needs. And if your church doesn't have like a fund with that, figure out ways to start one. I think that's another tangible idea, especially with COVID, yeah. you know, and, and what has happened with people losing their jobs that we've had members who the church needed to help out for various things and having that set aside as a church to help its members is a, another a very tangible way in which we can show this love. Again, if we take the model in acts, the church was taken care of. It wasn't that everyone was rich and everyone had the same amount of money, but everyone had food. Everyone was taken care of with their needs. Right. And we need to be a church that thinks about these things and to be one. And this isn't to say that we don't help the communities that we're in. Also, I think there's the, the overflow in which that is, but we need to be concerned about the communities in which, in which we worship and yeah. being able to, to be able to help them and to encouraging them through relationship, you know, through helping out. I mean, that's why when someone has a baby, the church gathers around and they have a meal train. So people, right. they have food and they don't have to do it or surgeries right. or other things. Like all of these are the acts of, you know, love for the church that people, maybe not other people who have these, who have children and not part of a community like this may don't, I guess, get the benefits of having a community right. like that. And Anita also says here, I left the comment up, but she says we can also be intentional in calling and checking on one another during the week. And yeah. that's, that's something that seems like it would be simple, but yet at times, because we're so consumed with so much stuff going on and activity in the world, sometimes I think we, we neglect that just picking up the phone and calling or texting someone saying, Hey brother, I was thinking about you. I was praying for you today. Is there anything I can you know, do for you any, anything I can pray for you. Um, you came to mind, um, or like, you know, just picking up the phone and calling too, you know, and saying, Hey, you know, I've been thinking about you, wanted to talk to you a little bit. You know, you don't have to get on the phone and spend hours, um, unless there's a need there and there's a deep hurt yeah. or something you're trying to work through. But I mean, really just letting people know, Hey, brother, sister, you know, well, I, sisters with sisters, you know, you don't want to have a married man yeah. calling a single woman in the church, but <laughs> another show, another topic, right? Um, but that's important. And be here's wise a, in your relationships. Yeah, be wise in your relationships. And George also asked this question here. Uh, I think I pulled that one up. Mike, you want to read that one? Um, so when we exercise see. love to follow our church members, is there a point in which we need to take a step back and remove ourselves from that church? To remove ourselves from that church member? I'm not really sure the the context of what you may be referring yeah. to there, George. If if, if there's I an would, issue, maybe? I'm... I'm so I think there, and, and maybe, you know, George, you can uh, help us out. I do think maybe what he's talking about is, um, is there a point in which maybe someone maybe seemingly too much alliance or, or reliant on this love, um, you know? Yeah, he says, yeah, an issue. Like if yeah. there was an issue. 
Like, uh, think- for example, there was a guy that I had in another church. Um, I, I don't believe he was saved, but at the time I was giving him the benefit of the doubt. And the person was really needy. He was always taking advantage of help from other people. Give me a ride. Can you lend me some money? You know, can you help me get some food? Can you help me pay my rent? You know, <clears throat> and for a while I was like trying to do the best to kind of help him. And then I got to a point like many others where it was like, brother, you, you need to help yourself too. You know, like you, yeah. you need to take responsibility for the decisions you're making when you get your paycheck. I see you out there spending it, you know, going places and having a good time. And then less than a week, you're saying, I need some food. I need some money. I need gas to get to my work. Well, you're not prioritizing these things. And so I think you got to exercise discernment in those situations. You know what I mean? That's, I guess the, the, hopefully that would be helpful. The is sometimes you may have to cut those off because it may be not, beneficial to you and your spiritual walk um, and, and your families, but that's a discernment issue that I think you got to weigh and pray about and maybe seek even wisdom from your pastor who may know the person and know the situation as well. Yeah. I think also one thing to consider is, you know, even your, make sure you're checking your own heart also mm-hmm. kind of with that. I think there's discernment, um, you know, evaluating the, the reasons why maybe this person is doing it and, but also to check your own heart because even, you know, you may feel like you want to remove yourself, um, from that church member, you're still called to love him. You're still yeah. called to show love to him. Um, maybe that love needs to look different and that, Again, that's where that wisdom and discernment comes from. And, you know, just if that's the case, you know, ask God. God loves to give wisdom to those who ask for it. Um, you see that in the example of Solomon. And obviously James tells us that and James 1.5. Um, but so you still kind of have to do show um, the love. But you do, you know, evaluate that and maybe help. You know, if he needs some other helps, if he's living, you know, for some reason being like mismanaging his, his money, well, that's a sin issue. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it does need to be dealt with. And maybe it's not a sin issue, which should get him removed from the church, but it does need to be dealt with. And so, yeah, having that you discerning and wisdom, but also making sure that it's not turning into kind of a bitterness against another person kind of as it is. Cause then that can start getting into kind of what John was, has been talking about. Like is the love of God in you like remaining in you? Because now there's a certain church member that you really don't want to love for, for whatever reason that may be. Again, I think that turns into my own heart issue. Why don't I want to love this person whom God, at least as his profession is that God has loved and redeemed. Yeah. So, you know, I think there is, there are two ways to kind of the positive in, in discerning, asking for wisdom, evaluating the situation, but also evaluating my own heart and making sure that my heart is still showing 
intentional trying to show love to this person, though that love may change because of the situation. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. And Bonnie uh, came in. Thanks for, for tuning in, Bonnie. Uh, glad to see you here. Uh, well, I mean, we, we really come to the end of the show. So uh, it was good getting to interact with those that are listening and, and um, you know, interacting with us. So thank you for that. Uh, we do appreciate it. Uh, and, and I think we'll probably end it there. Where did we, where did we get verse, uh, 14, 14. Yeah. So we'll pick up again 14. in yeah. next week, uh, where we, where we le- or have left off and, uh, try to finish out this chapter here in first John chapter four. But yeah, I think it's, it's very important that as what you were saying there, Mike, we have to always look at first what's in our own hearts and, I mean, if, if the love of God is abiding in us, it's that supernatural love that we are going to be displaying to the brethren, you know, and I mean, there's nothing else like it anywhere else in the world. That's why when the unbelieving, it wasn't like the unbelievers were, were loving as well and doing the same things. That's why when they looked and they saw the Christian and they saw the love that they had for the brethren, it was different. It was noticeably different to the world and they will know you by the love that you have for one another. Yeah. And you know, it's easy to say these things and you know, but it's not, but we all struggle. Loving, loving people. Well, is hard. Um, you know, cause we're first off sinful human beings who, want love that will be reciprocated and to for our motivation you know and still holding on to uh the sin that has us because i mean when you think about it you know first corinthians 13 love is patient love is kind i mean just love is patient like there's so like even just in my own life times that i'm not patient and not showing love and to think about what it means to love patiently to my fellow church members brings this off but as we've mentioned in there he we're not left to our own strength to do this god has given us the spirit and we know that it is God who works in us for his own glory. So we can rejoice that while I don't love perfectly now, God will sanctify me. And as I live this weary life under the sun, I will become more loving when I try to love the way God has shown his love to me. And isn't that not kind of the goal of Christianity? Cause that's the love Christ had for all of his people that he interact with. He never failed to love someone the way they should have been loved. And so now we can have that example from the God man. Yeah. Amen. Well, that's been G220 radio for tonight. Um, I'm going to play this end credit screen. Uh, I played the one in the beginning. It, the sound came out in my, desktop audio so i don't even know i'll have to go back and look at the video and see where it played um we'll see here when i play this one 
Till next time, God bless.